the residue of trauma, it is stored in our tissues. It's stored in our cells. Um, that's creating our chronic inflammation. That's compromising our immune system. Yeah, that is, you know, preventing our nervous system from being able to land. That's creating the brain fog, you know, that is creating just this three ring circus of thoughts that we start to identify with. Because when we're living with trauma stored in the cells and in the tissues and in the body, we are getting the signal that it's not safe to inhabit ourselves. So how many of us are living from the neck up? Hey everybody, welcome to Lauren Out Live, the spirituality and health podcast. I've got Greg Whiting with me. How's it going, Greg? Hey Lauren, doing great. How about you? Doing good. Glad to have you on the show. Happy to be here. Yeah, Greg and I were just chatting. I think this is, I mean, it's always relevant because there's always healing and, you know, help needed in the world. But I just feel like for me personally, there's been this theme of um, learning more about like trauma healing and somatic healing, which is a new term that I've been learning about. And so I think this is coming at a perfect time. And as everyone knows, the world's been extra chaotic the last few years. And I think a lot of trauma is coming up collectively. So we can talk about individual and collective, but, um, Greg helps leaders and entrepreneurs heal from anxiety, depression, trauma, uh, things of that nature. And then he's also the founder of, uh, Prisma, which, you know, focuses on like somatic um, mindfulness healing based practices. So we'll get more into that. You can explain it. But um, do you mind just giving a quick rundown on kind of who you are and then how you got into this healing space? And then we can dive deeper into, you know, some of the like what is somatic healing and how do you help people? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I came into this work um, to heal myself. I was not planning on this career path. Uh, I was living a very different life in, you know, my early 20s, but I was also suffering from debilitating chronic pain. And I was in the nonprofit world and I was very passionate. I was very mission driven. I was very purpose driven, but I lacked fulfillment. Um, there was this burnout and this emptiness that just zapped me dry. I was running on fumes. Um, the chronic pain that I was experiencing was just amplifying tied into anxiety and depression. And I found that most traditional approaches to therapy were really ill-equipped to address what I soon discovered was a lot of trauma that was stored in my body. Um, and so I, I was desperate to find other, other ways to heal. Um, by serendipity, I was introduced to energy medicine, which I had never heard of, uh, through a friend who was a massage therapist. Um, she actually offered me a massage, but at the time I was living in such severe pain that I did not want a massage, like physical touch was painful. Um, so that's when she introduced me to energy medicine. Um, and I had implicit trust in her and I, I said, let's give it a try. Realizing I found something I didn't even know I was looking for. Um, you know, just my whole life was organized around this chronic holding and this chronic pain. It was all I knew. I didn't think there was anything outside of that. And in this first experience with energy medicine, I just started to kind of rise above my pain body and just get a glimpse of, or a taste of something, really a taste of myself beyond my pain. Um, so within a year, I dove headfirst into studying energy medicine, 
that led me on a path to India where I studied mindfulness and somatics meditation for almost a year that brought me back to the States and dove kind of deeper into yoga and Ayurveda, um, which then introduced me to kind of the world of trauma and neuroscience. And in the last 10 years of, um, well, I'm three inches taller than I was 25 years ago. Uh, no longer live in pain, anxiety, or depression. And I've kind of reverse engineered how I kind of piece together all of these different practices intuitively to support my own healing to create, you know, as, as practical and accessible of a healing system as possible. Um, you know, the world, as you say, the world is screaming for wholeness, right? And we live in a world that is feeding off of fear and division. Um, you know, a world that is, you know, <laughs> there's just trauma after trauma that's just being, you know, thrown our way. So, you know, the world is hungry for healing. Yes, that is. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing your story. And I'm glad that you were able to, to heal. And I'm, you know, it's always a journey. I'm sure you're still healing. We're all healing, but sounds like you're doing so much better. So I'm really happy for you. And yeah. I'm glad that you came across um, that woman and, and, and have been helping other people with, from your pain. I think that's what's so amazing about the show is I talked about these people that go through experiences and then they begin to help others. So I think the theme that I'm learning in this podcast, just everything is so connected right? So we're all connected. So just if I'm hearing trauma that's happening in other parts of the world, it may not physically be happening to me, right? But I'm still absorbing that. And I think that's something um, that I think a lot of us are becoming more conscious of this constant fear-based news and media and trauma. It's a lot uh, for any of us to take. And, and, you know, I'll lay there in the middle of the night, sometimes awake, and I just start thinking about it. Anxiety is just like, this is too much. Like, I really don't think we were meant to be taking in this amount of fear-based trauma news every second, all the time on social media. It's just bombarding. And it, it does, it's not just like anxiety and mental, it's, uh, it does affect our physical bodies, right? So you more than anyone could speak to how that's connected. Cause maybe some people don't quite correlate. I believe that most physical ailments have either a learning lesson spiritually or it's tied to, you know, suppressed trauma or an event or, you know what I mean? Like we all know now it's no secret, like stress causes health problems, right? So can you kind of, I know it's hard to like button that up and take your time, but like how, what do we know now more like the neuroscience and somatic healing? Like what do we know about the connection between the, you know, the physiological, like the brain activity, the depression, the anxiety, and then how it affects our physical body? Like what is really happening? Is it stored in our nervous system or? Yeah. All, all this is connected. Yeah. So, you know, the residue of trauma, it, is stored in our tissues. It's stored in our cells. Um, that's creating our chronic inflammation. That's compromising our immune system. Yeah. That is, you know, preventing our nervous system from being able to land. That's creating the brain fog, you know, that is creating just this three ring circus of thoughts that we start to identify with because when we're living with trauma stored in the cells and in the tissues and in the body, we are getting the signal that it's not safe to inhabit ourselves. So how many of us are living from the neck up, right? And so the conscious mind is like 
the tip of the iceberg. It's what we think we believe, but the subconscious and the unconscious mind is what we really believe. And that's what's stored in the body. Um, and so healing is really helping us start to address that on a, a physiological level, on a psychological level, they're all related, you know, and I'll use my own body as an example, right? Like, so the scoliosis was tied into lots of developmental trauma that got stored in my body. You know, our connective tissue and fascia is where we store the emotions, the memories, the beliefs, the behaviors, the connective tissue and fascia is what pulls on the muscles and bones. So if I'm carrying all of this fear around my own survival, that the world is dangerous, then I am starting to wear the costuming that will mimic that, right? The posturing and the costuming that is guarding my heart, right? So as we start to resolve the residue of trauma stored in the tissues and cells, we no longer need to wear that costuming and then behaviors and beliefs start to repattern, right? And then our whole musculoskeletal system could start to reorganize because I'm no longer organized around pain. I'm no longer organized around wounding. I'm more living in the presence of who I am, right? And that's a big piece of the mindfulness too, is the necessary mind training to shift our identity from pain to possibility, from pain to presence, right? A lot of us will conflate who we are with our pain, right? So we, and then it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy where we just start to, you know, I believe on my pain and then it'll just start to create more and more. And, you know, what I see with, so many of the clients I'm working with and my students is then pain, anxiety, and depression become kind of this feedback loop, right? We start to feel the pain, which then, you know, terrifies us. So then that kicks up the anxiety and then cue the depression. And then we just kind of go <laughs> on this cycle. <laughs> yeah. So healing is like pattern interrupting that, right? And that was like my first experience with energy medicine. I just got to get a taste of who I am outside of my pain body. Right. And once I had that glimpse, I, I knew that I could start to develop a deeper connection to that presence. Mm -hmm. And that is now, you know, the overarching, you know, experience I have of myself. Sure. Uh, you know, I still have a curve in my spine, despite being three inches taller. I still have tension in my body, but it's no longer the overarching identity structure that I, you know, move through the world with, right? Yeah. So that frees up a lot of space, a lot of power, a lot of aliveness, a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is incredible how we can identify so strongly with something, especially if you're in, like, you, you know, chronic, you're dealing for so long, it's almost like you get used to it and that's all you know. Um, but yeah, there's just so much more within us, right? And Gosh, yeah, I was going to say something and I just forgot about it. But, and also just like you think about, I think I was speaking to this about with another guest, when we're constantly in this fight or flight, like you said, you're wounding and you're protecting yourself. It is a protective measure, but if you're living in that all the time, my goodness, like you said, it's in your tissues or like your adrenal system. Think about the fight or flight, right? You get that adrenaline. You may not be feeling like that all the time, but it is, it's, it's still in there. And so yeah. if you don't acknowledge it and release it, so I don't want to give all your secrets away because, you know, <laughs> we'll, I mean, we'll talk about kind of like what you do to help people, but just on a base like level. So, okay, so we have the acknowledgement aspect, right? Like any of us can try to meditate or prayer, you can do prayer, breathing, telling myself like I'm okay in this moment. Like all those are great practices, but if it's super deep within all this trauma, how do you even begin to 
shed that and, um, and heal it physically. Yeah. You know, I, I'd say there's just as many approaches to healing as there are people. So as much as I will share, you know, what I have found to be beneficial, it's not a direct path, right? And everyone's healing is very nonlinear. Um, but with that, you know, we can't heal in isolation, but a lot of times our imprints of trauma will tell us that we can't lean on support. We can't trust support because the other is, you know, a, a threat. Mm. So, you know, that means some people's breadcrumbs to healing may just be reading books on mindfulness for a while, spending time in nature, because it literally may feel too threatening to lean on the support of a therapist or a healer. Um, but over time, as we start to, you know, so much healing is the relational piece and it happens, you know, in connection because um, the imprints of trauma start to feed off of this narrative of alienation and isolation. So bridging the gap to connection and safety is where a lot of repair starts to happen, you know, but again, just the simplicity of energy medicine, I find calms the cardiovascular system, regulates the nervous system, strengthens immune function. And those three pieces together are just getting us in touch with our own innate wisdom. And that's a term developed in chiropractic years ago. So if we have a paper cut, there's some healing mechanism that sends platelets and proteins and orchestrates all these biochemical transmissions to heal the paper cut. So energy medicine is just aligning us to that innate wisdom, right? So as much as I help people heal trauma, I actually don't focus on trauma all that much. You know, if, if some, a traumatic experience needs to be named and witnessed or a person's moving through some of the emotion of that trauma, you know, we're holding space for that. But really that process is happening as they are staking more of a connection to their own innate wisdom. You know, I like the imagery of a symphony orchestra. So if the body is a symphony orchestra and all of our emotions and our thoughts and our memories and our muscles and our tissues and our organs are all parts of that symphony orchestra, you know, when we're experiencing health, there's a constant communication between all those parts and we're making music, right? We're established in our wholeness and there's a harmony and there's a balance and when there's trauma, you know, the nervous system gets short-circuited. So when we're defaulting to fight, flight, or freeze, or appease, this short-circuiting, it's like we're kind of start to be like a chicken with its head cut off. That communication breaks down. There starts to be this fragmentation. We start to get this, feel this split inside of us. We're just, we're losing connection to our wholeness. So healing is just breaking up that noise, right? So then instead of making music, we're making noise. And then that's when our symptoms and our illness and our disease start to creep in. Um, so yeah, healing is just restoring our connection to our innate wisdom that helps to break up the noise. So we just start to remember our innate wholeness, right? And the somatic piece is a gentle invitation to start to make contact with the parts of our body that have perhaps been in a freeze response, right? When we don't feel safe in our body, we leave our bodily experience, um, right? That's why we're living from the neck up, kind of the image of a bird flying into a window that, you know, drops to the ground because it's in shock, right? It's not able to, it's not able to metabolize the impact of flying into the window. So it just completely freezes, but over time it starts to twitch and it's able to shake off that trauma. Like we don't do that as humans as, as easily, right? We, we may still be among the, 
the living in terms of walking through our lives, but how much of us is kind of still frozen, right? And how much of us hasn't thawed off that, that state of shock. So the somatic piece is helping to create an invitation to start to come into bodily experience. Because when we lose that internal sense of touch, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we're losing access to presence and agency, mm-hmm. right? So, so much of healing is reclaiming presence and agency so we can feel ourselves, right? And then our ability to feel ourselves helps us start to metabolize and process the emotional impact of harsh and adverse lived experiences that otherwise just stagnate in the body. That's just another way too. like, I look at disease as stagnation and health as expression. So once we can express and move that emotion through, not necessarily catharting it, but helping the body process it and move it through, um, then we're no longer living at its effect. Mm. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, not to be repetitive, not repetitive, but I just, it might seem obvious, but for some people, because it is a newer term for me in the last year, I have to say, can you just, what does somatic healing even mean? Yeah. You know, I look at somatic healing as helping us come into contact with the thoughts and the beliefs that we are carrying unconsciously in the body and bringing them to consciousness. Okay. So, you know, for so much of my life, even though I was living with this severe curve in my spine, I had no awareness that what that was organized around was terror and fear and hurt, right? And protection and guarding. So, So having a somatic orientation helped me start to understand that that's the emotion I was carrying because so much of that was just numb, right? That was just a deep freeze, so, excuse me, I tickle on my throat today. So the somatic piece is helping to start to bring texture and flavor and understanding to what what lives inside of our tissues and our cells, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally through the emotional body. But then that's kind of layered through the behaviors and the beliefs and then the identity structures that are organized around what we're carrying in the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like... It- like I said, I just feel like I've noticed it's been talked about more lately. I didn't hear people talking so much about somatic, and that could just be a progression and an evolution of our, you know, healing and their spirituality and stuff. But like as a kid, you just hear about therapy or doctors, you know, anxiety. They were all kind of separate, but now it really seems like there's a lot of people f- really awakening to this idea of the connection of, yes, like the, the mental mindfulness part of it, but then really that deeper nervous system, somatic, like cellular healing even and how it all works together. And I just think it's so cool. Um, and I, that image, I could just feel it like there's just something stuck inside and one acknowledging it and then hopefully either releasing it if that helps, or like you said, allowing your body to metabolize it or work through it. And, you know, like you said, not everyone's going to be the same. Um, but I can't remember the gal that I follow. There's a girl I follow on Instagram who talks about somatic healing. And she talked about how in certain moments, like mindfulness, like breathing or meditating, like that can really help. But then also sometimes you're so far past that. You're so anxious. You're maybe you're going to have a panic attack or something. And then she talked more about like movement, dancing, lion's breath, like just literally like 
get this out of me. Like sometimes, like I, I've been talking about this a lot on the show, but I'm in my last trimester, like weeks away from delivering a baby. And I have been, I have pregnancy insomnia, like horrible. And by the third hour laying there, I start to get a little anxious, right? Like I'm getting in my head and I feel like I'll try the breathing. It's just, I can just feel it. And I just literally will start doing like, you know, pressure point rubbing or something just to help me like get my mind off of it. And it's interesting, the physical practice can really help. Can you speak to any, anything like what is, why is that? Is it literally like me just kind of releasing pent up energy or? Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's something to be said for having a trauma informed approach to meditation. And so we may be in a place where sitting in meditation is going to do more harm than good. Right. Um, we may not have the capacity to witness our experience because the nervous system is flooded. And so we have left our like optimal zone of arousal where we are now in hyper or hypo arousal. So we're either, you know, in that fight or flight or we're in that freeze or appease. And so we've lost access to our upper brain when we're no longer in that optimal zone of arousal. So to be able to track you know, experiences somatically, it's going to be really hard because we're just living in our survival brain, right? We've lost access to uh, like logic and reason. So yeah, coming to, you know, so I teach students, you know, I have a laundry list of what I call grounding and modulation exercises that are really useful when the nervous system is flooded, just to help get us back into kind of that optimal zone of arousal and movement is done going to be, you know, sometimes just physically shaking mm-hmm. is going to help to shake that stress response off. Right. You know, I also caution that sometimes, you know, I, I, those practices help us return to an optimal zone of arousal. And that's where the deeper trauma healing can happen in the optimal zone of arousal. But I think some people get hooked on just the practices that bring them to the optimal zone of arousal. But you know, those, those are just kind of, you know, bridges to help us come back to a place where then we can do a a deeper level of healing. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some people think those are kind of the quick fixes and then can get addicted to like, let me just shake off the stress. Mm -hmm. And it's like shaking it off is good in that moment, but then we want to start to interrogate you know, well, what's, where's that coming from? Right. And that's when the body can start. Cause otherwise we, that can be just very addictive and we're just going to always have to shake that stress off. But the healing is happening, you know, when we are able to then sit to slow, cause trauma is often too much too soon or too much too long that we're having an experience that we can't metabolize that is historically overwhelming. So as we develop more capacity to broaden our window of tolerance, then we can start to develop more capacity to sit with mm-hmm. and be with what once was too much. And then we can start to make sense of it. So then the system can reorganize around it. Right. So then it doesn't have to be so much of our default. Yeah. And I was also thinking like tapping, some people use like tapping to heal and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. There's definitely like a time and a place. I mean, if you're in a heightened panic attack mode and that can help you, bring yourself down like great but then if that keeps happening something to be conscious right what's deeper i mean you know something to look at when you can when you're ready um like i had a client once that yeah had anxiety attacks and are tied into insomnia and they were doing all the right things in terms of powering down technology and turning down lights 
And, you know, it just got to a point where it's like, and they started to do the deeper trauma healing where they were reclaiming their sleep. But every now and then, if it's still spiked up, I was like, you know, if pulling out your laptop and just watching some Netflix helps you ride the wave, I know you're not supposed right. to have screen time, but like that might be the, the what helps you ride that wave, right? Hey. I've done and, that. <laughs> By yeah, hour like, three, it actually kind of helps me take my mind off the sleeping. And then I kind of notice I'm starting to get, do- you know what I mean? So yeah, do what's right for you in the moment to an extent. But yeah, yeah. There's obviously deeper stuff going on sometimes. And, you know, that's why it's so fascinating, the healing journey, right? It's not just a quick fix, which I think we're all addicted to and wanting. Um, but if yeah. you've got year, you know, there's different types of traumas too. Like I said, like the absorbing the collective, like we're all living in a fast paced, stressful world, all of us, that's a lot to take. But then also if you've had personal traumas, whatever that may look like in your life, that's everyone's going to be different. Right. And so it could be it could take people a different amount. Like you said, you can't just like answer the question for one, one way. Cause everyone's got such different experiences and ways they're going to heal. Um, but yeah. And I think that's really cool too. You probably see clients that in yourself, right? Like maybe yoga helps some people, but not so much others or breathing techniques or some people do tapping or some people, um, whatever it could be like, that's why that's so cool. There's so many, I know what I was going to ask you about, I'm pretty familiar with like energy healing and mediums, but what, when you're saying energy healing, like what are you speaking to specifically? Like what are some things that you've done that have helped like meditation or visualizing or. No. So um, yeah. Reiki and body talker two forms of energy medicine. I practice Mm -hmm. again there. My work is to help pattern interrupt kind of the, the trauma responses and the identity structures that are keeping people stuck in kind of that pattern of anxiety, depression, and chronic pain. So it's just restoring that connection to that innate wisdom, which is then helping the uh, entire symphony orchestra come back online. Um, So Prisma is what I've developed, which draws upon and is applied with Reiki, but then that's overlaid with the trauma and the neuroscience. So we have kind of an understanding that we can start to map kind of how the the body and the brain are working in relationship to trauma. And we can start to map kind of the behaviors and the beliefs that are stored in different body parts. Right. And so get a good example too. I had a client that came to me with a football size fibroid. uh, And I said, well, if we're going to work together, we're going to help you start to move through what is stored in that fibroid, which turned out to be, you know, tons of grief, from, you know, some pretty severe loss they experienced in their life, which was also tied into fear and, you know, abandonment pieces. And then there was also this shame piece around just um, a failed um, business venture. So as they broadened their window of tolerance, as they connected to their innate wisdom, as that symphony orchestra started to come back online and we started to break up the noise, they had the capacity to start to grieve what historically was too overwhelming for them to grieve. Mm -hmm. And they were able to manage the fear without it overwhelming their system. And as they did that and then started to process, you know, the shame and realize that, Oh, you know what? We can have a failure, but that doesn't need to make a statement on who we are. You know, that's actually how we learn and grow. 
um, the most successful people in the world fail and just keep going. Mm -hmm. So as they started to have these understandings and move through kind of this, this journey of understanding, then the fibroid just continued to shrink and shrink and shrink and dissolve. And they were no longer at the effect of the stagnation and the holding of emotions. So then their immune system's working better, their cardiovascular system and their nervous system are more balanced. So they're living in a more coherent state. So then they're able to start a new business venture. They're able to set new boundaries in relationships because they're no longer living with that fear of abandonment. So they are able to not only be more in touch with their desire, but communicate and ask for what they want, understanding that it's okay to have needs, that needs don't make them bad or wrong. So, you know, how all of that from emotion, behavior, belief to the physiological function of this mass that had grown inside of them, energy medicine's helping to repattern all of that. So then the somatic piece is then bringing what has been unconscious and stored in the body to consciousness, And so then we're no longer harboring the imprints of wounds and pain, but we're living just in a more vital expression of our aliveness, right? We just come back to life, just like that, that bird that flies into the window and, you know, is frozen. We just start to twitch and shake off that, that stress response. Um, So it's just living with more consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, what a cool story. I love hearing about that. Like the shrinking, literally. It's like, oh my gosh, it's not just the physical. It's like literally the trauma, the pain, the bam. It's like shrinking. Like it is so cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, I do really believe like, I guess you, you say innate wisdom or like your highest self, different terms. Like that's who we truly are. But when we're here in this human experience, of course, we're carrying other identities and our ego and other things. That's part of it. It's not bad it's part of the experience, right? But then coming back to who we truly are. And um, I just think that's so cool. And Ricky healing is amazing. So are you able to actually like um, kind of feel where somebody is storing pain if sometimes or? Um, Yes, but that's not how I work. My work and how I train, you know, people to heal themselves is, I'm just focused on aligning to innate wisdom. Mm -hmm. I'm not concerned with where energy is blocked. I'm just concerned with reconnecting to that innate wisdom that brings me back into a coherent state where body, mind, and spirit are working as one, Mm -hmm. right? So then the blocks dissolve themselves, right? So So you're not focusing on like, you know, some rate will like focus on each chakra. Like you're not really necessarily going into each space. You're more just as a whole kind of helping the person connect in themselves. Yeah. Cause even in holistic health, holistic healing, I think there's still a lot of top down approaches to health that are still trying to treat a symptom or treat an imbalance or take one action to cause an effect. Well, I'm going to do this to get this effect, um, which isn't often trauma-informed, which can sometimes do more harm than good, and it presupposes that the healer or the practitioner practitioner knows what's right for the body. Mm -hmm. 
um, where the body's innate wisdom knows what's right for the body. So if I'm working with tools that just help my client connect to their own innate wisdom, then their own organizational intelligence can come back online to heal itself. Wow. So, you know, back to the curve of my spine, I used to go to lots of practitioners who were using lots of force to crack my spine and straighten me out and put me in my place. But it's like the trauma that was holding me in this maladaptation to stress was never addressed. Mm. So a practitioner would straighten yeah. me out, but that would never hold would, because they right. never actually addressed the trauma that yes. was holding me. So it would just default to the back place. That, that so even a lot of holistic healers might be like, well, I'm going to, oh, this appears blocked. So let me open that up. Well, it's like, actually, why don't we work in a way that just helps the body's innate wisdom detect what's beneath that blockage? Mm. Uh, Right. And we don't have to figure that out intellectually. The body's innate wisdom can, can, can do that work. Interesting. So uh, I don't need to tell the body what to do. I'm following the body, okay. right. And I'm just offering it tools and support so it can come into an understanding of itself. And just like, you know, when a baby is conceived, um, right. There's an innate wisdom that orchestrates that, the, our human development. So from those two cells that come together, you know, and I, I can't say the exact progression, how that fetus then forms, but from, you know, a heartbeat to a nervous system, to a brain, to limbs and fingers and skin and tissues. But that innate wisdom is kind of the blueprint mm -hmm. that is informing the expression and the consciousness of life. Right. And so, um, you know, we don't need to, impose what we think onto that that wisdom is highly intelligent and has the blueprint and understanding of how to be itself on its own terms mm -hmm. so we're just supporting that okay that makes sense and that that's cool yeah interesting i know i think like i'm trying to figure out how like i want to say this but you know like there's obviously a time and a place like you knew you're the person had like that tumor, right? So like, obviously there's like a focus on that area, but really you were helping his whole body heal, heal that specific area. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't focused on. The, well, you weren't focused on it, but I mean, I you were able to, yeah, you're able to witness it shrink though. I mean, so like you saw that your help with the whole system helped shrink that. Like it's, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That is really cool. And I think but most health, most providers would focus on the fibroid yes. where I understand the fibroid is just a, the symptom, which is the tip of the iceberg. And I understand that my work in connecting people back to their innate wisdom helps their own body address all the causative factors yes. that are the underbelly of the iceberg. Oh gosh. Could you imagine if our medical system, like, I mean, they do wonderful things. I always want to be careful, doctors and saving lives, but we are so trained to think this way and also to treat, like to treat the, the symptom, the, the, the area of pain, but gosh, you're right. Like it just, it either comes back or you leave other things out. It's a whole package, right? <laughs> And again, pain and symptom management are sometimes necessary. Yes. And there's all sorts of medical interventions mm -hmm. that are, you know, life-saving yes. miracles that mm -hmm. are of tremendous value. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more of an integrative approach mm -hmm. um, where 
you know, there is Reiki that's in oncology settings Mm -hmm. in hospitals. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, there's a blend. And at the end of the day, as individuals, you know, because, you know, it's our own responsibility to take care of our health, but that's the cultural paradigm. Because as a kid, when I had chronic ear infections and strep throat, I wanted nothing more than to go to a doctor, get an antibiotic and for them to fix me, make me feel better. Exactly. Um, And But that's on me now, because if I'm still expecting that, then I'm putting my health and my power in someone else's hands. Mm -hmm. Right. So whether we're working with allopathic medicine, you know, or alternative medicine, you know, we get to decide, you know, to have agency in our journey. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we can, you know, so even if we are working with, again, I'm all for an integrative approach. So I've had clients navigating cancer who are, working with me alongside, you know, having chemo. Right. But if they are committed to just connecting to their innate wisdom, well, guess what? They're going to have a better response to the chemo, right? Right. Where Mm -hmm. if they feel powerless and they just think, well, the chemo is going to fix me, but they just have given all their power away to this outer force without aligning to their own inner force. Well, the chemo may not be as effective. Right. Yeah. And then we don't have to get into this whole bag of worms, but just like, and then all the think of all the things that we like you said. Sometimes it is necessary. I'm not saying you don't take chemo or do drugs. Whatever's right for you. But then all the things we do take to like bandage approach, not chemo, but like pain meds or drugs. Like yes, sometimes to get through certain portions of like you do need that. I'm honoring that. But you know all the things we do put in our body or the foods that we're eating, comforting ourselves because we don't feel well, and then that's causing a plethora of issues too. It's just it's so so deep at this that's what's just so fascinating on a bigger level like this whole experience as a human we have so much like being thrown at us all the time but you know oftentimes there are a lot of us that do forget to just connect to that innate wisdom and that's why it's so great that there are people like you to help help us get back because there are a lot of like temptations or things here like quick pleasures or quick healing but to be able to like what a gift to be able to go deeper and really the whole system. Like, I mean, that's when we're going to feel our best. So it's a lot to navigate and it's a journey. It's not a quick fix, but. A lot of folks are made to think, you know, again, I work in the realm of mental health with anxiety, depression, chronic pain tied into trauma. So a lot of people that are medicating for anxiety and depression and chronic pain are, are, are being told that, you know, this chemical imbalance is, you know, the cause, which research actually hasn't proven. Mm -hmm. So there's more of a dialogue happening today that, well, while for some folks it may be necessary to treat a chemical imbalance with a medication to help people kind of tread water or just get by, um, you know, but the people that believe, well, I'm treating the chemical imbalance. So that should be it, right? I should be, I should just get better then. Um, Well, it's, it's not understanding that, you know, two of the primary factors beneath that are, you know, attachment wounding and trauma. Right. Right. And so if we actually heal attachment wounding and trauma, particularly with tools that help to address its imprints in the body, um, because there's just some pain we can't think or talk our way through. And that's why the somatics and the energy medicine and the mindfulness are so valuable. Um, So if we start to resolve the imprints of trauma in the body, then chemical imbalance often clears up along with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's why I've seen, you know, many of my clients reduce or eliminate their dependence on drugs, mm-hmm. but that's never on my recommendation. That's between right. them and their doctors. Right. How I work is non-diagnostic and non-prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, I have plenty of clients that are very happy with their medications and then clients that start to feel a whole lot better mm-hmm. and their doctors say, yeah, actually let's start to wean you off. Yeah. You actually don't need to depend on that medication any longer, or let's modify, you know, your, your dosage. Right. So, um, there's a lot of freedom that comes from that because we start to understand the the inner workings that are kind of beneath our pain Mm -hmm. and that we have some say in, in, in addressing, you know, those, those pieces. Yeah. Um, I'm actually like almost finished with the episode. I can't remember the doctor's name. Maybe you heard this episode. It was on Joe Rogan. I don't know if you ever listened to Joe Rogan. He had a doctor, doctor, sort of an M I don't know. He was talking literally about this. And I was just like, you know more about this. Like you said, it's known. Like it's not just a chemical. It's not the chemical imbalance. We've all just been trained as chemical imbalance, chemical imbalance or depressed. But he's talking about depression, anxiety, ADD, ADHD. These are trauma responses. And it just seems so obvious to me now, but I never thought about it like that. Do you I mean, that's essentially is that what you're saying, what your personal opinion is. Like it, if a yeah. child has had to protect themselves um, from a, a crazy parent or something, of course they, they might have anxiety or they might be ADD or these are protective measures. It's not a disease. That's what he was saying. It's not a disease. It's a response. Yeah. And that's the problem because we are telling people, oh, there's a chemical imbalance that we need to treat. So it's your chemical imbalance that you need to treat. It's your problem. Right. And and that just further perpetuates stigma around mental health, where what if our anxiety and our depression are healthy responses to yes. an unhealthy environment? Yep. Right. Yep. And then that's when we start to realize that, oh this isn't all on me. This is actually a sophisticated strategy that my system has taken on for me to navigate, you know, adverse world, adverse experiences that have been harmful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, because oftentimes with trauma, we do, we think that something's wrong with us. So then that can kick up all sorts of other associations and beliefs that I'm bad, I'm wrong, which then kind of further dig us into a, a pit. Um, so understanding that, yeah, these responses are healthy adaptations to stress that at one point maybe even saved our lives. And at this point they are, you know, I think a lot of people come to healing when they are doing kind of this cost payoff analysis. Well, there was a payoff. These strategies helped me get to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, but now, now they may be hurting more than they're helping. And so let me, let me find a, a different a different plan, a different way through. Right. Yeah. I went to a, a gal that I've gone to for years, a medium, and she's helped me with some of my anxieties. And she said that to me and it really clicked. I'd never been told that. She goes, your anxiety served a purpose at one point. And it almost honored it instead of making it a bad guy. And I felt really good about that. Like, whoa, I guess I, I, cause we're just, it's so bad. It's bad. I have it. I'm bad. I'm anxious. This is bad. Like that makes you feel worse. Right. So to honor, okay. Like, thank you. Even just acknowledging it. Like, thank you for protecting me and getting to me here. I needed that, that, but now I feel like it is hindering me and I, I'd like to sort through this and kind of reduce it and remove it. So I think I love that this stuff is being talked about more and 
um, you know, to some it may not be new and ancient practices and our ancestors and different healing, but in our culture, it's really becoming more of a conversational piece. Like you said, like a lot of people, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for other people, but it seems like culturally, we still really think like depression is a lot of depression is just chemical imbalance, but there's so many people coming out now saying, Hey, like this isn't necessarily, it's not a disease. Like I think this is a game changer right now is a really cool time because we're, we're kind of becoming collectively conscious and I don't want to get too deep into this, but he spoke a little bit about this, um, about just the same doctor. I'll have to figure out his name, but um, he's saying similar things to what you're saying as far as like, um, I know this is not what the topic of our podcast is about, but even just a trauma response. So if a child's crying or having a tantrum and our culture's just been taught more like our parents' generation and, and beyond, but like, don't cry. You, you're being bad. Go into a room by yourself my goodness, like, of course, there's going to be problems and isolation and sadness in that child, especially if it's has any abuse mixed in. And I just think, like you said, having connection with someone to help you through it. I think, you know, there's so many child development courses and classes that I follow for my daughter now talking so much about this kind of stuff about honoring the feeling, holding a boundary. It's like, you're just like letting the kid do whatever, but there's a huge shift, I think. And I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but I'm just trying to prove a point of like spanking, hurting, trauma, like all that stuff caused a lot of trauma. And we didn't acknowledge that before and it's being acknowledged now. And I'm just really happy to see that and your work. And like you said, you can work along the patient with the doctor. It's not like it's just all separate, but this is a different approach. And I think we've just been looking at it wrong for so long. Um, and to hear that it's not a disease to, to have these symptoms like anxiety and depression so many of us have like think of the shame that could be lifted just from that alone yeah the anxiety and the depression are invitations for us to actually pay attention and right. to reparent parts of self to make loving contact with parts of self you know the the chronic pain and the anxiety and depression i used to suffer from it felt like there was a monster living inside of me mm-hmm. and i was fighting against that monster until I realized that that was just a wounded part of me that actually didn't need me bullying it. It needed me to love it. Right. Right. And so again, if we are taught that this anxiety, if something's wrong with us, there's this anxiety, depression, that's bad or wrong. And we just need to treat it from the top down. That's actually getting us further away from healing than closer to healing. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, I think there's a, a, a big, wave of understanding that's happening through these conversations and you know tons of new opportunities for healing that are available and accessible yeah Um, and and everyone comes to that on their own time right yeah Um, we can you know when people are ready or when they have the right introduction when they are following the breadcrumbs that guide them to Mm -hmm. you know what meets them where they're at right yeah and i didn't mean to like dive down all those rabbit holes, I guess, like my point was just there's a change in thinking and I don't know. I just think it's going to be really liberating because a lot of our traumas do come from childhood. Not everybody, but a lot of them do. And they could be small ones. It's not like some catastrophic event, but just maybe you were thrown in a room by yourself all the time. And then you have all these like shame. I don't know. I'm not trying to like package it up in a boat. I think you get my point of just like, that's why I brought that up. It's just, 
there's so many layers and um, I think society does its best, but we haven't always um, known. It's not even like we did something bad. We just haven't been aware. And so now it's really cool because all of us hold something. And I think it's really neat that we can have the freedom and vulnerability to be open and like love ourselves and help one another. And there's nothing wrong with you if you have these things going on. So, yeah. Um, Human experience. Yes. It's a wild one. (laughs) Um, Well, this has been an amazing conversation and I really am. Thank you for your work that you're doing to help people. Healing, I think is probably literally the best gift to be able to feel your, your best mentally and physically and have health. I think is, is like one of the best gifts and of, of, of our life to be able to feel good and have freedom. So thank you for helping people. I'm glad that you were able to heal yourself. And um, where can people find you online if they're interested in getting in touch? Sure. Yeah. Gregwhiting.com. Um, I work with clients one-on-one through a nine to 12 month journey. And I also have the online community, which is the trauma and neuroscience roadmap, the somatic and mindfulness-based practices and the energy medicine which all pair together to give people a really comprehensive, robust healing system. Um, so we can really heal ourselves and take this power back into our own hands. Definitely. Well said. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will link everything in the description, your website and your name. And um, I just wish everybody happiness and healing wherever you are in your journey. And uh, thanks again for being on the show, Greg. Thanks, Lauren.